Hello, Glenridge Church. Welcome to our sessions at Sandy. We trust that you'll be encouraged and equipped through these podcasts. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name's Sandy Fanfiren, counseling psychologist, and this is the first of four episodes that I've chosen to call the ABCs of relationships. And we will explore within this context of sessions with Sandy. The A and B and C. The A will be for the anatomy of an apology. The B will be about bases and boundaries. And hopefully we will spend about two episodes on this topic. And then the C I have called the craving for connection, which we all experience at different levels of intensity. But let me move on. As I mentioned today, the topic that I'm going to be exploring, I've called the anatomy of an apology. And during lockdown, there would no doubt have been multiple opportunities for conflict situations to arise that would have required one or both parties to apologize. The sad thing is that many of us have never learned how to engage in conflict in a constructive way, and more particularly how to apologize after the fact. It's not unusual for me to have encountered parties in the therapeutic space who are describing a conflict situation. Before long, it becomes apparent to me that the one party always takes responsibility for apology. And more often, this is a desperate attempt to be a peacekeeper, which we were never actually called to be. Scripture has instructed us to be peacemakers, that's true. But then there are also those who proudly announce that they are indeed peacemakers. However, When I interrogate more closely how the apology was delivered, I very quickly establish why the other party has come to loathe such apologies. (laughs) They often are just idle words signifying nothing and really constitute an effort on the part of the apologizer to see homeostasis restored so that he or she can enjoy further favor of the other. At no point is there any undertaking or commitment or intention even to desist from being a repeat offender, as I often call them. The genuineness of such apologies understandably is doubted and seldom received with gratitude. Now, Scripture talks in many places about the importance of peace and reconciliation. And for today, I had the words of Paul come into my mind when he was writing to Timothy. It's in the second letter to Timothy, uh, and in chapter 2, around about verse 14. And he says to Timothy, you know, just warn God's people against quarreling over words. It is of absolutely no value, and it ruins those who listen. And how often in our arguments, he said, you said A, B, and C. I did not I said X, Y, and Z. And so Paul goes on to say to Timothy, just avoid these pointless discussions. People will become more and more ungodly, Paul says. Now, Jennifer Thomas, who is a clinical psychologist, recently sat down with Dr. Gary Chapman. Now, Dr. Gary Chapman is the Dr. Chapman of five love languages fame. Many of you will know him, no doubt. And so the two of them started to work collaboratively on the five languages of apology. Jennifer Thomas has now written the book called When Sorry Isn't Enough. Now, you know, I actually agree with Dr. Chapman and Jennifer Thomas that going beyond a quick, I'm sorry, 
and learning to apologize effectively can actually help rekindle love that's been dimmed by pain. And Chapman and Thomas are actually quite unequivocal and say that when we all learn that apology is a way of trading excuses for honesty, trust and joy. And we've got to bear in mind that relationships are fragile. Whether fractured by a a major incident or a minor irritation, the ensuing emotions can often feel almost insurmountable. And it prevents the relationship from moving forward or the offended party from moving on. So in order to make things right, something more than sorry is needed. So if we look at the five languages of apology, as Chapman and Thomas call it, um, there are five distinct standalone languages. But in my experience, I find that if all five of these are included in apology, it can take us quite a distance in achieving restored relationship. And, and so quite cleverly, there are five R's that will help us remember these five languages of apology or what I have called the five ingredients of apology. So there is regret, expressing regret. Then there's responsibility, accepting responsibility. And then there's restitution, making restitution. And then there's repenting genuinely repenting and then there's requesting requesting forgiveness and you know it's time that we learn these five ingredients of apology and learn to speak this language of apology fluently one to the other but as with the acquisition of any new language it initially can feel quite contrived so don't despair if it doesn't come naturally at first. But now, without further ado, let me elaborate on what these five R's look like and sound like. So we start with regret, expressing regret. For most people, an apology is not really an apology until they hear the words, I'm sorry. For many of us, in order to truly forgive, we need to see that the person who has injured us regrets what they've done. This is the most essential of the elements in an apology. But some people feel it more keenly than others. So let's be aware of that. Number two, responsibility. Accepting responsibility. We can all find good reasons and explanations for why we behave badly. She was just irritating me. I honestly was running late. She was the one who hurt my feelings. Whatever the reason, it doesn't change the fact that what we did was wrong or hurtful to another person. Now, while this ingredient of an apology is in a way similar to expressing regret. Many of us very much need to hear the admission of responsibility. Someone could say, I'm sorry I hurt you. But in many cases, it's important for us to accept responsibility for having caused the hurt as well. I was wrong to yell at you. 
or I'm sorry that I lost the plot while I was trying to find my way to the destination. Sometimes expresses far more sincerity. But let's move on quickly to the third R, restitution, making restitution. Sometimes just expressing regret or taking responsibility for our actions is not good enough. Oftentimes we need to make restitution to make an apology sincere. Let's think, for instance, of when a kid relieves another kid of their toy. We don't just encourage their kid to apologize. We also actually encourage the kid to return the toy that was taken. But when you hurt a family member or a friend or your spouse's feelings, restitution isn't just about returning something that was taken or stolen. It is about reassuring the other person that they are loved. You see, the damage of an angry word or betrayal is that we believe if that person truly loved us, they would not have done such a hurtful thing. So, in this case, making restitution can be achieved by assuring the injured party of our love for them, our abiding care, that we really are invested in the relationship. But let's move on to the fourth R, repenting, genuinely repenting. Remember the word repentance means to turn around or to change one's mind. An apology loses its sincerity if you give your loved one no assurance that you will try not to make the same mistake again. For some of us, and perhaps depending on the severity of the offence, a sincere apology requires that the person verbalise their desire to never hurt you in that way again. We all know that bad habits can be hard to break. I, I get that, I get that. And sometimes you don't want to be making empty promises. But may I suggest that in addition to telling the one you love that you want to change, that you actually go and figure out a plan to ensure the success of that undertaking. Now, onto the fifth R, requesting, requesting forgiveness. And this final element or ingredient of apology can be the hardest. But for many people, it is also the most important. Requesting that someone free you from the guilt of your offense is a powerful thing, and it will ultimately set both people free. Bear in mind, that asking forgiveness is difficult for the asker because it means relinquishing control of the fate of the relationship. It means accepting the possibility of rejection and it means admitting failure. Likewise, it's difficult for many of us to forgive because we can often feel that it means relinquishing our sense of justice. But despite the difficulty, actually saying the words, will you forgive me, has proven for many people to be the secret to healing and the renewal of relationship. So, may I end with a turn of phrase that I plan to repeat at the close of every session, if I remember to, and that's with every session with Sandy. And that is, never think that information, this information that I've shared with you, will bring transformation in your relationship. It is the application of this information that ultimately will bring about transformation. 
Look forward to chatting to you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions for Sandy, please email hello at glenridge.org.za. Your questions will remain confidential at all times.